Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Hey there, Winnipeg Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is H1, your host, and this is episode 76. Couldn't think of a player that wears 76, so this episode is dedicated to everybody born. In 1976. Anyhow, um, Ryan and myself, we do four interviews, two each with four different fans. Um, I was going to say a bunch more stuff in the intro, but we'll keep it short because uh, we're a little over an hour here. Um, so big thanks to all those that participated, and this is part one. We are going to do more. Um, Ryan was able to get two interviews done in half an hour. Um, I took three and a half hours uh, to do two interviews and lost, or three interviews and lost the audio in one. So I'm an idiot. Shout out to Ryan for doing things well. And um, yeah, hope you all enjoy it. And again, thanks to everybody who participated. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. My name is Ryan. And right now we are joined by Tony. Tony is a fan of the Jets. And we're going to talk a bit about how the Jets have been performing so far this year. And Tony, what are your thoughts on kind of the way the season has gone and maybe even the last few weeks to a month? Uh, I think the season is definitely not turning out the way they were planning on it. Um, the Jets aren't playing up to the potential that that the team has. Is there – did you have a – an idea going into the season on what you were expecting, whether they were going to be top three division, uh, wild card, or maybe fighting. Is this kind of what you were expecting? Uh, I was expecting top three division, to be honest. You know, was that before maybe say Dustin Bufflin um, was out? Because there's a lot of people thinking that maybe Bufflin is a reason they're not where they are right now. Is that something that you're buying into, or what do you think is the reason they're not in that top three? Um, I don't think I'm buying into it. The whole team is not one player, and as much as Bufflin is a decent enough player, uh, I just don't think the offense is playing up to the potential. The defense, for what they've been working with, I think is doing okay. Everything could be better, of course, but... You know. Do you think that maybe the team's trying to compensate too much for losing those defensemen? Because, you know, they lost Bufflin, they lost Myers, Sherratt, um, whoever else they're, they're missing. And now maybe they're in Truba, and maybe now they're kind of shifting their offense to be more defensively sound, which I believe is one of the reasons that the offense just kind of been stymied lately. Do you, do you see that? Uh I see the offenses actually just maybe overcompensating a little, but more so not taking the chances that they're given, you know, like they seem to be playing too defensively in that respect. For sure. Do you think maybe they're trying to get too fancy with it and, and should oh, we most- shoot first? Cause it does seem like maybe they are doing one too many passes. Oh, I think they're doing three too many passes. Like, nobody seems to be driving the net. Like, I think the only players that seem to be doing that are uh, Appleton, Roslovic, and Ehlers. Like, they're the ones that seem to be going, like, straight up the middle, taking the chance. But anyone else, it's like, oh, dump it into the corner and then pass it back to the blue line. You know, it's all dump and chase. 
For sure, yeah, I definitely noticed that that they uh, they tend to dump it in more um, than you'd like to see when you have a guy like Ehlers that can carry the puck in. And you're definitely mm-hmm. right. If you look at shot heat maps, everything is to the outside this year. So I yeah you're definitely. You definitely hit it on the head there because that's just what the stats are showing is that they're not getting towards the middle of the ice. And yes, they're out shooting their opponent a lot, but it's just floaters from the outside. And what do you mm-hmm. think that, do you think that has to do with coaching? Um, maybe the line combinations and they, they're not quite uh, getting that chemistry. What do you think it is and, and how to fix that? You know what? I think they're relying too much on production on their top two lines. Like, I really think that they should be moving the lines around so that you're getting production off of all four lines, not just your your top two, top three. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly it. Uh, I think it was either the last game or the second last game before the All-Star break. That fourth line had four minutes of ice time. Now, that's... yeah. That's 56 minutes now that you have to give to three other lines when you could be balancing. I agree with you that they need to maybe do some balancing. And do you think that comes from the coach juggling the lines? Or do you think that maybe at the trade deadline, Chevy has to go pick up a guy that can that can help the offense and make four solid lines? Uh, I think that, yes, uh, Chevy needs to do something to improve that, that fourth line, you know. They definitely need more than four minutes of ice time. Oh, for sure. Do you think that maybe the call-up of Christian Veselainen helps at all? Because I think he was called up uh, two games before the break, and he didn't get any ice time, unfortunately. But do you think it's something that maybe would bring a lot more skill? I think he has uh, 20 and 40 this year, 20 points in 40 games. I could be totally Mm. wrong on that. But do you think he is someone that can maybe help that third or fourth line bring in a little more balance to scoring? It can't hurt, you know, yeah. giving a young guy like West Line and the opportunity to, hey, show us what you got instead of, like, leaving him down on the moose. Well, when he was just drafted by the Jets, he was almost compared to a left-handed line, right? Where mm-hmm. maybe not so defensively sound, but he has that has that shot and a part of his game that you could maybe uh, grow with. Um, I know you mentioned that maybe there's a trade that could happen to bring in some fourth-line help. What would you be willing to give up, though, for a fourth-line player? I know for a fourth-line, you're not going to be giving up a first-round pick or a higher roster player. Would you be willing to give up someone on the moose or uh, just draft picks, do you think? Uh, I think they could definitely get, like give somebody on the moose, but who that would be, I'm not that up to all the, like, on the moose players. But, I mean, definitely if you can trade some of your farm team players – a way to get something better for your main team. I mean, that just makes sense to me. Yeah. And I'm not sure if they will actually move a player. It's difficult to tell because Chevy's made moves the last two years, of course, with first rounders to acquire Stastny and then uh, Hayes. For a draft and develop team, it's hard to think that maybe he'd make another move. But I agree with you. Something needs to be done. I'm just not sure if that one player, whether it's the rumored um, top four defenseman or if it's a, 
a single forward. If that's really going to help this team get above that hump, that's really making them struggle right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I know a lot of it comes back to coaching and there's a lot of talk about maybe the uh, coaching staff needs to go starting of course with Paul Maurice. Now I want your thoughts on that, whether, um, whether you think he should go and also whether you, whether you think he'll go. Um, well, it definitely does come down to coaching. I mean, it's the coach's responsibility to get everything they can out of the players. But I don't, obviously he is not getting everything out of the players. So I, I don't know if getting rid of him is the answer or maybe changing up some of the players that they do have to get the locker room back. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know if there is something going on in the locker room between the coach and the players, but obviously something's not clicking. You know. Yeah, I mean, the players have came out and said, hey, Paul Marie still has our attention. He's still the guy. We, we're not giving up on him. But I think that's almost, you can push that aside because no player is going to come out and say, yeah, coach has lost us, right? Um, I know oh, Paul has a really, he has a faith in his guys, and, and I think they're going to back him up on that. But you have to wonder is something going to have to change because right now the systems are so broken. Now, I know you said that he's not doing the most maybe with the pieces that he has. Now, is that on the GM now? Is that, do we have to take a look at Kevin Day off and say, okay, Maurice is struggling right now because he doesn't have any players that can, can play above, play a top four role on defense or play bottom six forward where this team's really lacking. Oh, I, I would have to agree with that. I mean, it's all a team effort. I mean, your GM's got to be making the moves to keep your team like viable, you know, and I don't think, I don't think Chevy's making the, making the moves to keep the team viable, you know, and is that where you think maybe a, a move is coming up? Just maybe it's not as much just to keep the team afloat for this year, but to save his ass and show um, show the rest of the management and ownership that, hey, I am trying something here. Do you think that's... To be honest, at this point, that would probably be the move to make to keep his job. You know, I right now they're on such a such a downward spiral that I don't know if they'll actually make the playoffs this year, you know, and I think Chevy needs to do something to basically improve the team and show that he's doing something to improve the team for next year. Well, listen, this thing could go really downhill really quick. Not that it hasn't already because right now the Jets have lost four straight, but look at their Mm -hmm. next four. You play against Boston who is unbelievable the first half of the year, blowing everyone out of the water. Then you have the St. Louis Blues, who, of course, are Stanley Cup defending champions. You have the Nashville Predators. And then, Mm -hmm. again, you have the St. Louis Blues. So your next four are just as tough, if not tougher, than the last four. And I agree with you. If something doesn't change, this thing could go downhill very fast. Oh, absolutely. I think, as like as you just said, these next four games, with who they're playing, they're going to be lucky to win one of the next four. And if they don't do better than that, I think the playoff 
hope is done. I think you almost have to do better than that. Uh, oh, yeah. I think I, like, you might you even have to win three. If you yeah. look uh, at the standings, like, there's Wild are only two points behind with a game in hand. Predators mm-hmm. are three points behind, but they have three games in hand. They win two of those, and all of a sudden yeah. they have a game in hand, and, and Jets are, are below them. And Jets could be last in the division right quick. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Oh, yeah. It's it's not good the way this is trending, but um, oh, last thing, yeah. sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say it's not looking good at all. And maybe and maybe instead of making a move, maybe you just stand pat and say um, this season's a write-off. We're gonna have to make some huge changes this summer and come back next year because uh, I don't know if that one or two pieces right now are going to help them at all. I think you have to go back to the drawing board and maybe, because even if you make the playoffs, I don't know if you even make a splash. You could win a game, maybe two in the first round. Possibly. It, like I said, you, they might win the one, even if they make it. They're probably not going to make it out of the first round if they do make it. Yeah, well, the, the last half or sorry the first half of this season's kind of looked like the last half of last season right where mm-hmm. the team just hasn't had it and making the playoffs against st louis was kind of up in the air what's what's going to happen and i looked mm-hmm. at the last 82 games so the last calendar year so beginning of february last year to end of january this year team only has i think 89 points in 82 games which is just not playoff caliber so this is a this is an issue that's been going on forever and ever and uh you know it's 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 tough to watch and hopefully they oh, can make the moves to come out of it because yeah hmm. yep so um before I let you go here, I just want to know if you saw some of the uh, changes that True North was going to be making, um, some immediately and some moving forward. And what do you think of them? Uh, I kind of glanced at the, at the email that I got, and I was like, so lowering beer prices is supposed to make like the experience better? Granted, oh. beer's expensive there. That was that was one of the things that I saw on the, the email that I got. But I don't know if that's going to make things better. Yeah, I think the timing of it is almost a slap in the face, right? Where um, fans are yelling for maybe organizational changes, player changes, and they say, well, how about we drop the price of beer by 350 <laughs> Well, so, you're absolutely right on that. I think the timing of this, like just after the break and everything's like, hey, guys, we are doing something to kind of improve or maybe save the season, but... Going forward, I don't. Granted, beer is really expensive at the arena, but I don't think that's what they need to do to make things better. No, I I think the whole the whole experience is just bland, and it feels like if if I go to a game this year, it feels like walking in that arena in 2011. It's just kind of the same feel. Nothing nothing to really get you hyped up anymore. And after almost 10 years now, I think it kind of gets dull on everyone so you know Mm -hmm. arena improvements cheaper beer that's only going to do so much i don't see that um changing a lot of the season take holders minds right now they're talking about not renewing oh i i don't think that'll change anybody's minds in any way shape or form yeah 
Well, Tony, um, I know we have to keep these somewhat uh, short because there's a lot of people to fit in here. We really appreciate you coming on and kind of giving your take. And hopefully we can do this again one day. Uh, I really appreciate the time. Is there anything uh, you want to you wanna say at the end here? Maybe plug your Twitter account? Uh, the Twitter account's at Tony Newhoff and T-O-N-Y-N-I-E-U-W-H-O-F. Perfect. But, uh, yeah. awesome. Thank you for well, the opportunity. Uh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. It was uh, it was great having you on. And uh, everyone, go follow Tony. Thanks for listening, and uh, stay tuned to the next one. Uh, Tony, once again, thank you. Oh, thank you. All right, I'm here with uh, Micah. Micah, thanks for taking the time to do this. I'm going to hit you with a couple questions, and then I'm going to let you roll from there, and uh, you can feel free to talk about whatever you want. Now, just so everyone knows, we did uh, chat before this, but uh, so I do kind of know some of the topics he wants to talk about. So first thing, Micah, I'm going to hit you with, the news came down today about uh, Jets. Uh, they're going to not increase, I was going to say slash ticket prices, not increase them as much. They're going to slash some prices on the concessions. Um, I'm curious what you think of, uh, you know, the current game day situation, what you'd like to see, and what you think of maybe some of these current changes. Yeah, well, you know, I, would, I was actually, I can remember what I was doing. I was just sitting at a break in between my classes when uh, Twitter almost caught fire with that announcement. And I, I read through it, and I'm not necessarily a season ticket holder myself, but I always find myself going to at least five games a year. And the times I do go, it's um, – like, I don't necessarily think the issues that they're fixing with that announcement are the issues that I find at the games. Like, obviously, like, lower beer prices is better, but I saw a lot of people saying that, oh, they're probably decreasing serving sizes as well. I hope that's not true, but, um, you know, with Shipman's reputation and everything, it feels like it might be true. Uh, and I couldn't see anything about the actual serving size on there. But... To me, the issues at the game day, it feels more like it's an atmosphere issue and it's a environment issue more so than like a food pricing issue. Like, for for example, before the Jets came back, Bell, or Bell and Tia Center, that was the Moose games, right? And I used to go to uh, some Moose games when I was a kid, and I just can't shake that feeling when I'm in there that it's not necessarily an AHL arena because they've done upgrades to the concourse. They added the, the load seatings and they've added, they've increase the actual presentation styles and everything. But, you know, like, I have vivid memories there when I was a kid trying to get on the Jumbotron at the Moose games, and it's almost <laughs> it's almost like the same thing. Right. And, you know, with, with the presentation at the game, we talked about this before. There's a lot of people on Twitter where it's like the music is always the same thing, and it's always, <laughs> it's always welcome to the jungle, you know. It's always seek and destroy, and people are saying, oh, we should – stop playing less classic rock and you know i agree with that because i don't think the players themselves actually listen to that music um we talked about that jet stream spotify playlist they put out like two or three seasons ago which was made by the players and the songs they play at the arena aren't aren't the same songs as the ones on the playlist and it's if we uh you know people complain that the players don't necessarily look like they're into it during the game and it's maybe we should play the music that they're into, you know, right. like like if they're going to, if they want to get hyped up or anything, we should probably play the music that they want to get hyped to. And like, I saw something on um, like the athletic, they put out, they did a player poll for the Winnipeg Jets and they put out um, 
their wind song, and it's uh, it's called Post Malone. I forget who it's by. It's not by Post Malone. The song's called Post Malone, and it's it's on it's nothing like the music they play at the arena, <laughs> you know. And it's like, and, and you know, like things they can actually do to increase the atmosphere is, um, like I go to a bunch of I go to a bunch of um, ice games, like Winnipeg ice games recently, and it's the thing that's fun to me at those games is that you can just get not necessarily belligerent, like not rude, but you can just yell and you can scream and you can, you can cheer for specific players on the ice and you can cheer for specific, and like you can almost jeer and chirp other players on the other team. And it's, it, it, it's like a more intimate atmosphere because it's, it's only like a 1600 person arena at Wayne Fleming. And it's, it's an interesting setup there. If you've been, you know what I mean, but it's, it, it feels like it's almost more like watching hockey there. And it's like, what it should be because you're just like you know you're into it and it's also it's bench seating so you can spread out if you want and you're just there and you're just yelling and screaming if you want and cheering and getting loud but it's if, i feel like if i did the same thing at the moose at the, not sorry not the moose games but at the jets games like people look at you you know so it's almost like a sterilized environment yeah. and and it's like i'm not sure if um like which it would like people talk about sterilized environments when it comes to the Maple Leafs and like how that's all because it's all business people, you know, buying like whining and dining customers and going to a Leafs game and how it's really hard to get into Leafs games and it's like why do we want a sterilized environment at the Jets game? Right. You know, it's like why why would I pay three hundred dollars just sit silently in my seat and listen to you know kiss and watch watch the Jets give up terrible chances in our in our own zone. And then, um, like, people are saying, like, oh, like, you know, Dallas Dallas has live bands or, uh, like, Nashville has live bands as well. And I don't necessarily think live bands are the answer, but I think we could do things in-game, uh, like, during, like, the in-game announcements and all that to make it, uh, like, more entertaining to watch. Because, you know, it's more than just going to watch a hockey game nowadays if you go to other markets. Like, I'm not a season ticket holder myself, but other other places it feels like they not necessarily take care, but they treat their um, season ticket holders better, right? Like in Florida, if you become a season ticket holder, they send you a jersey and the jersey has an RFID chip in it that you can use to buy um, buy drinks and buy food and buy stuff with by just scanning your, similar to Apple Pay on the Apple phones, you can just scan your jersey, almost like the the cuff of it, and they'll just get charged automatically to your account. And it's like, how cool is that? Right, that it's is like, the coolest thing. I've never heard that before. That's pretty wicked. I like. Yeah, it is yeah. wicked, and it and it's like, but here it's uh, like from the little I know about the season ticket holder things. It's like you get these like meaningless points that expire, and like the most people can accrue is like a Jets passport holder, you know. Right. And I I think that'd be a really cool idea. Is and I saw someone on Reddit today in wake of this announcement that the Jets put out, and it's like. The Jets didn't really say anything to the season ticket holders in it, right? They're like, we're, we're increasing the ticket prices. We're decreasing the prices on arbitrary things. We're doing these renovations like on the, for the concourse. Yeah. But it, that's not really a gift. You know what I mean? Like, I think I, think I appreciated it because it, it let them know they're like, okay, we hear you. But it wasn't really a, like a gift or anything. And someone was saying, like, why, why couldn't they just – um, like I know it'd be expensive to send a jersey out to every season ticket holder, and I know it'd get confusing with like season ticket holder groups or whatnot. But you know that's a, that's an interesting thing because it's 
Like, especially if, like last season when we unveiled the aviator jersey, how cool would it have been if the Jets sent out an aviator jersey to all the season ticket holders? I know they would never do it because it's, you know, it's very expensive, but it's like, you know, they sent out like an aviator themed t-shirt, right? Yeah. And like things that actually, like when it's aviator night, we can have people there in the aviator uniforms, right? right? Or when we unveiled our Heritage Classic uh, jerseys this year, right? Like the red and blue ones, like why couldn't we, uh, you know, have like a that dark blue on a t-shirt and have like red, red piping on the collars and stuff, right? And it couldn't necessarily be a jersey, but, you know, it's more, it's more so than a passport holder or, a, you know, some random knickknack. Yeah. There's um yeah. one thing that was understated, I think, um, with this announcement was they also said more than $9 million of venue improvements have been planned for the summer of 2020. Highlighted, I'm reading this right now, highlighted yeah. by the addition of on-ice projection and continuing concourse enhancement. Now, the on-ice projection is the one thing that caught my attention probably more than most because the concourse enhancements, I mean, you don't spend that much time in the concourses. Um, mm-hmm. And it also said start in recent years, so it's kind of more of the same, I'm gonna guess. Uh, including yeah. extensive reno- in- extensive renovation in the area that is currently the exchange restaurant. So um, I, I guess if you're going to the restaurant, it's a big deal. But uh, you talk about the in-game thing. Do you think the projection thing might be something that people should focus on a little bit more if they're talking about the game experience? It sounds like they want to do something. Yeah. So some teams have yeah. done some really cool on ice projection, like Vegas. Um, is well, yeah, I was going to get to the Vegas thing. Yeah, because ahead. it's if we remembered the 2018 Western Conference Finals, we lost every single game after Vegas projected the night cutting the jet in half on their ice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, hopefully we won't have similar. Hopefully we have similar effects if we project the uh, you know maybe Mickey Moose running over, running over uh, like a Nashville cyber saber tooth predator. Right. But, well, you, you you know, the fact that we're a jet, you could almost do that with every single thing. I mean, you get to have it projecting like a, a a fighter jet fly, and then you know a duck get chopped up into turbines or something like that when you're playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's you can, a you know, graphic, but yeah, for more, sure. You know, uh, uh, zip by a bear and, like, all of its fur comes off when you're playing the Bruins. I mean, you could do a lot of things in the... Yeah, probably you, you definitely this, could. But, <laughs> I mean, but, but the Jets it, uh, pretty flexible, so... It, it is, and it's like we've had... But it's also, it, I guess it's, like, on-ice projection, or at least on-floor projection, because I know they do this at NBA games, like how long has this been out? It feels like it's been out for like five years. We're only going to get it now, right. and it's like, what's going to be the next thing? Are we going to be five years behind on that? And and in a market like Winnipeg, I know we we're fine with like being behind because it's it's not like we're this uh, like it's not like we're on the usually on the forefront of things. But I feel like we'll only be we'll we'll be considered a backwater team right. like we are now if we're not necessarily pressing the issue, right? right? If we're not on the cutting edge of things. Okay, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit here, Mike. Uh, so, talk yep. about the actual team. Now, we talked about the presentation, what's like to go to a game. Uh, when you're talking about the actual team, maybe where they're at, uh, what are some of your thoughts about? I mean, obviously, the coaching uh, staff has come up quite a bit lately, um, and uh, just where they're at in the standing. Some people think that they should be better uh, playing on the ice, so they're, they're it's a good team that's playing bad, or is it a bad team playing good? Sort of uh, that's the way I'm paraphrasing it, um, right? Are they are they overachieving or underachieving? Well, what's your take on the the current season and and where they're at and and maybe um, 
what they should be looking to do, if anything, uh, this season and trickling into next season. Yeah, well, I, I definitely think we're an overachieving team right now, and I know that the, our expected goals percentage attests to that, and which is weird because it's um, like I, we can we can definitely blame our success for the season on Connor Hellebuck. I, like I love Hellebuck. Like there's I know there's question marks coming in this season, and I know that our season debut against the Rangers, everyone was like, oh my god, like this is the guy we just extended, and he's going to do this. But no, and definitely he's the best forerunner right now. Uh, which is, I think he should be because it, without him, like say we had Brassois starting in net, and like, I don't think our season will look anything close to this. But that be, that being said, I think it's a double-edged sword because if we started Brassois for the whole season, we'd probably be close to beginning Lafreniere. So, <laughs> um, and which is again another issue because it's, I think if you just put our forward our forward group in a vacuum. We uh, among NHL fans, we'd be consensus. I think top five. Um, some people would say top three. I think we'd for sure be top five in the NHL. And it's if if that's the case, and it's like how are we barely squeaking out some of these games? And I know, and I know it's due to like our fact our blue line is almost non-existent. But then when it comes to the coaching, then it's like how come we aren't trying to play up-tempo games? Like how come we're not trying to force teams into shootouts with us? Or not not actual NHL shootouts, but like you know, like a blowout game, yeah. right? Like how come we're not losing? How come we're not winning games six five? Attract me. And yeah, exactly. Attract me. You know, and it's and that's why I think it should be, especially like we have we have very fast forwards. Like Ehlers is insanely fast. You know, like, I'm pretty sure. Uh, like Matt Barzell recently won the NHL, um, all like the the speed competition at the All Star game. But you always had a quicker time at our skills competition, like our own NHL Jets one. Yeah. Right. And, so, and uh, you know, like you can go into it about speed, but it's. I think we just have to switch. Um, like obviously, I think we have to switch our coaching uh, staff. Like I know, like I love, I love Paul Maurice. I think he's really funny to watch in interviews or whatever. But like being funny in interviews isn't what keeps you around in the NHL. Especially if we're we're underperforming as it is, because this was supposed to be our cup window, and I know questions have arise like if if this is Shevardnadov's problem or if this is Maurice's problem, and I think it's I think it's to do with both. But if if you look on paper right now, with like Chevy's had an obvious miss with Logan Stanley, like it's it's a a shame. But if you look at our decor right now, we could have had this season, we could have had Morrissey. Bufflin, Pionk, Pionk, I always, I always double-guess myself on that, Anoila, <laughs> Sandberg, and Dahlstrom. You know, Dahlstrom's actually been decent as a when, the time he's been played on the ice. And I, I didn't even put Niku in there, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's a that's a very good top six. Mm-hmm. And and then it's and then you could have had Dahlstrom as a rotation in, right, as a seventh seed. You could have had, uh, play, the players actually love Anthony Bieto. Which, like, as a locker room guy, and it's like, oh, you can have him. He can also be the seventh seed too, right? Or the eighth seed. Right. You could hang around the rock locker room, and he'd still be involved with the team, except he wouldn't be, um, wouldn't necessarily be being pushed over in front of the net. <laughs> so, right. uh, and you know, and I think I think that's the way we have to go into next season. I don't necessarily think we should be buyers at the deadline, at this trade deadline. I think we do. We should make a trade. Or even then, I I wouldn't even know what we'd want to give up. 
You know, it's like our forward core is young. I people are saying we should give up Lowry. Uh, I I don't know about that. I love Adam Lowry. He's my favorite player on the Jets. I, I he called me big guy when I met him in person, and that means a lot to me, uh, especially because he's a big guy himself. And it feels like sometimes, like in the St. Louis series last season in the playoffs, it felt like he was the only one who was actually invested in that in that game in those series in the games in those series. Right. But you know, and, you know, it's like I I and um. Like during the year, during this past off season, there's a rumor uh, that I think it was Mike Com- Mike Commodore put out that uh, Jacob Judah got traded for Nazim Kadri, and I was freaking out because I was like, yes, we need players like Nazim Kadri because <laughs> you know, like I guess I know Toronto hates him because it feels like he always gets suspended in the playoffs, but he plays with his heart on his sleeve, you know, and it's like you know he's invested in the game and you know he's not like I like he hates losing, you know. And I feel Lowry's one of the same, except he doesn't take as many dumb shots at players. You know, sorry, Jake DeBrusque, yeah. but he doesn't. And then he also like, and I know hits and like hits and fights have nothing to do with modern analytics. And it's like if you hit players, it's uh, like it's not going to necessarily increase their chances of winning. But it's like when he goes out, um, I believe it was against Nashville in the second period, like our the re- our most recent game against Nashville, we lost one zero at home. I felt like he was the only thing. He was the only thing clicking on the ice, and they tried to hit him. They tried to hit him off the puck, and he absolutely destroyed the guy. And he wasn't even going for the check. Right. You know what I'm saying? He's just carrying the puck up the center of the ice. The guy tries to hit him. I forget who it was on Nashville, and the guy ends up on the ice. And it's just like, oh, like I know we could probably get a lot for him. I just love him. I think Chevy has to sit down with him and ask, like, is this, especially since he's a UFA next year, it's like. If if he wants to leave or not, and then if not, I like I personally was not comfortable with that Brandon Tanev contract that he got from Pittsburgh, yeah. but I would give that contract to Adam Larry in a heartbeat. Yeah, you know, and it's like uh, especially like I don't think I don't think he would ever be our he would ever be our uh, like you know our savior at second center or whatever. But I, I if he doesn't want to play second center minutes and he's fine on the third line, he's fine being our shutdown guy, he's fine being the heartbeat of our team. You know, like, why would we ever want him to leave? And why would we ever want to trade him? And, like, I know he he doesn't really have that offensive upside, but it's, I think that's something that's not really, like, especially the chemistry that him and Klopp have. It's, you know, it's something that I think we can't really look past. And, yeah. But, yeah, I guess guess during this offseason, though, we should definitely look, um, I know the Flames defenseman Hamidic, He's from he's from St. Malo, and he's probably said he wants to come home. I think we can add him to our decor. I think we'll be able to sign uh, Sandberg to his entry level contract. Uh, Hanoila will be ready to go. He was ready to go. I felt like this season. I know they wanted to send him back to Finland to kind of grow up into his body or whatever. But yeah, I think I I don't necessarily think that our problems at uh, at, like on the blue line, or as uh, almost as apocalyptic as everyone else's. Now, just believe the, they are. You, you touched on a couple of players uh, there, just on the D side. Um, talking about Hanola and him going back. Now, kind of, you know, we have the. I mean, I wasn't. I didn't want to go back and thought Niku should be up sooner, and the team would be yeah. better from the from the get go. 
But yeah. I guess with some hindsight for those that made the decision, uh, how much different would this team be if Hanolo is still here and Niku was up sooner? Do you think they have that big of an impact compared to the guys that they did roll out? And this is obviously still without Buff being in the picture, but is that yeah. sort of a game changer? Are we? Are, is there more faith in this team? Or um, are, are you still suspect about uh, the coach? I know you mentioned that you liked yeah. uh, Maurice, but just also admitting that, you know, just talking well isn't isn't good enough. So, um, yeah. is it, does that move the needle for you that much? Could this is this a lost season that should have been had, and people should be a bit more frustrated, or do you think they're you know just doing their due diligence with every player on their own and they're unrelated to each other, or does yeah. it feel like a missed chance? You know what? If I, I think if we had Hanoila and we had Niku to start the season and they played out say till now with no injury, I think it would have forced Maurice to. Uh, to change his philosophy, right? Because we know we know Hanoila and Niku are not defensive defensemen. We know that they're not big guys. We know that they're not going to hit people off the puck. But we know that they're they're wonder kids when it comes to cycling and moving the puck and taking shots. And if we had say we had Hanoila on our power play one, and we had Niku power play two. Uh, like I know Morrissey and Pioink do good things on there. But like if you look at some of the passes that uh, Hanoila was dishing out at the World Juniors, it's tape to tape in a blink of an eye, right? And I think if we had both those guys at the start of the season, it would have really cemented, um, or hopefully it would have changed our team philosophy from a defensive-minded to almost counteract our loss on the defensive line, and, like to almost be offensive-minded, you know. And uh, it's similar with Tyson Berry in Toronto, right? It's like we just want to go out there and we want to get into track meet. I think we can do that with our with our current defense. With our current defenseman, right? Because Buff, like you know, you said that the caveat was Big Buff wouldn't be back, but I think both those players are um, have the same offensive upside that Buffalo has, if not more. But of course, you know, they're not. Uh, would, I don't think they could ever be the fan favorite that Big Buff is. You know, right. like there's there's something. I don't I don't know what it is. I haven't been able to pick it out, but there's just something about Dustin that is just like. Yeah. You know, people love him. Absolutely. Well, I'll give you the last word. Uh, I said we go ten minutes. It's been about twenty. Um, oh, geez. Is it, is it No, it's it's fine. It's great. It, it, we're yeah. we're cutting all this out. So <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, <laughs> is there uh, is there any last uh, any last word or comment on the the team or uh, some something that's really got to be in your bonnet that you you just need to get off your chest about um, what you think about anything to yeah. the team. Uh, I, I don't think it's it's this isn't necessarily calling anyone out, but when I go like on Twitter, it's, it feels like everyone's always upset about the Jets, and uh, and they say the games aren't fun to watch anymore. And you know that's true, like, especially this last like on on our losing streak right now. I have not been watching the games because I find it terrible. But I think we still have to um, like not necessarily calling out Winnipeg fans, but it's uh, you know I think there's always things to be positive. Of there's always positive things about this team that we can look at. You know, if it's like, uh, if it's just funny stories that come out of that locker room, because we, we know Patty, Line, Patty Line is the funny guy, you know, and I, I, this is the thing that irks me about Winnipeg is that I, at least with the organization is I don't really think we, <laughs> we let our players be, um, you know, kind of, I'm not sure if we, if we don't let them or if they just don't want to be, um, personalities that they are right like in our in the st louis series last year everyone loved it when 
Patty Liney and Pat Maroon were getting to that chirping battle. <laughs> you know, Patty Liney was like, you're, you're chubby. <laughs> and then Pat Maroon think, I might be chubby, but at least I'm effective or something. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and it's, I think there's, there's, there's good potential in this team. And it's not like we're – I know we have the same underlying analytics as Detroit right now, but we're not Detroit. You know, like there's good players on this team. And I I think this season was just like an anomaly. I don't think we're going to be bad for a long time. I, we might be bad next season. We might be bad to end the season. But I don't think it's this um, – I don't think it's as drastic as a – or as dire as a situation as um, a lot of people believe it to be, and that also might be me just being young and naive. But I think there's, I think there's enough talent, and there's enough youth, and there's enough, um, I guess, character on our core that we in our core that we're like. There's just always things to be looking forward to, and there's always things to be positive about with this team, you know. I'm here with Marshall. He's taking some time out of his uh, day all the way from California before he comes up to Winnipeg. Um, Marshall, thanks so much for taking the time to do this, and let's just get right into it. I know that you have a lot that you want to say, so I don't want it to be about me. Let's hear what you are thinking about the Jets' current state of affairs, where they're at. Um, This is after the All-Star game, but before the Jets have started playing, just for a timestamp so people know when we're talking. Um, What do you think of the Jets and where they're at and uh, maybe even what they should be doing? Well, first of all, thanks so much, my man. You know, I uh, I love the podcast. I I, I got to admit that I listen to a lot of the podcasts. I listen to a lot of TSN 1290. And, you know, when you hit me up and I was getting ready to, to come on with you, you know, I was trying to take some of the emotion out of it so that I wouldn't be just coming on here, you know, lassoing the entire show with a barrage of F this and F that. Um, because I am disappointed. And, and I guess I came up with a common theme to, I don't want to say just my frustration, but what I'm, I'm sort of hearing from, from fans, from what I'm hearing from your podcast. And it was a theme and it became a theme in my head. And it was, it was sort of like, you know, why, why is one of the Jets fans? Can't we have nice things too? And that turned into, I don't really understand how we built and we built and we built. Do you remember those days where, whether it was early days of Paul Maurice or the Claude Lowell days where, you know, we're putting the knives away and we're building and we're going to build through the draft and we're going to develop. You remember all those times, right? Absolutely. And so that led us to have a year and a half of good hockey. The windows closed. Like, where did this fall off the rails to you? So. I hear all the Maurice stuff. Some of it I can get into, some of it I can't. I hear all the Shovel Day off stuff. Some of it I can get into, some of it I can't. I, I think there's a core here that's really good, but really and truly, our windows kind of closed, and that's where we're at? How the fuck did we get here? And, and it's just a series of really, really weird, unfortunate events that I... Where do you come up with it? I mean, I I know you're the interviewer, and I'm not trying to you know flip roles on you, but where do you come up with it? Uh, 
Well, I guess it kind of leads into another uh, question, which I'll, I'll, I'll kind of pose to you, but I, I because I think it sort of answers it. But it comes down to blame in some way. Like there are some things that are extenuating circumstances that are out of your control. But at the same point, there's people whose job it is to make things run well, to to coach the team, right? And so there's a lot of blame going around, like you mentioned, Maurice, and Shovel Day Off. I mean, there's people blaming Bufflin, right? There's, uh, you know, some, you know, looking at last year and, and what Wheeler said in interviews of himself basically torpedoing the room. I've used that term a couple times on the podcast. And so what's the fallout from that and how does the buff thing tie in, right? Um, is it Chipman getting his hands into too many things and not allowing Shovel Day off to do his job? It feels like there's a lot of blame to go around, um, and there's probably enough um, uh, uh, people that are guilty enough, I, I suppose, that should take some of the blame. So I can't give it all up to extenuating circumstances because, again, it's somebody's job to fix those circumstances. So, um, so for for you, just kind of uh, some of the names that I threw out there, or, or other, if you could think of, um, where where does the blame lie for you? Like, there's who falls on this, or or anybody? Is it is it really anybody's fault, or is it just completely out of our hands? And uh, you know, we're just sol. Well, so it, you and I both have day jobs, okay, and so we both ultimately have a boss, and then. In most situations, there's a boss up above him, and then there's an owner. Okay? So I believe that number two runs down the hill. Okay? So we're in a position right now that we got four games that I believe is Boston, St. Louis, twice, and Nashville. We go on four. You and I are having a we're done, sell the farm, we're out of it. If we go two and two, kind of hold our own. Then we get to play some of the lesser rounds, and maybe we have a chance. So I'll leave it there that I don't think that everything is doom and gloom, but it certainly could become that quickly. Would that make some sense? And, and you know, I'm not off my rocker here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think, okay. I, I so, think the narrative definitely shifts, but it, it, it shifts every game that some other team wins or loses as well, right? And there's still a lot of game to be played in the way parity is set up in the NHL. It is pretty favorable for everyone to – appear to be in things when they're really not it it takes it's way down the road before it's very obvious um to everybody but to some of us it'll probably be obvious a bit sooner whether it's yay or nay for the season right yeah you know batman loves the parody in the nhl and he loves you know it to look like everybody's still included i mean oh my god the montreal Canadiens are only 10 points back but they've got to climb over 312 teams I mean, okay that's that's just I agree with you, and, and, and to me, there's a little bit of silliness in there. So if we if we go with things are rolling down the hill, one thing that, that kind of, and I, I think Shovel Day Off and his group has done a heck of a job of drafting. Would you agree with that? I mean, if you, if you don't, I just don't even know where we go from here. I think he's done a great job of drafting. Right, yeah. I think in the certainly in the first round, cool. there'd be no argument with the first round. The other rounds are a bit more debatable, but... Absolutely debatable. The 2015 draft, he did really, really well. He's he's got a couple of outliers in Miku who he got really late. Bucky in the fifth round is incredible. And then you can start the debate on, you know, Logan Stanley. But let's not go there. So if in fact Dustin Bufflin 
was going to retire at any time before this season started and shovel day off talked him out of it, yep. then he submarined himself. Yep. Because that $8 million, we lost Sherrod, which would be huge on the, this defensive. We're not going to pay Myers what he's getting paid in Vancouver, so let's just stop that talk, right? Like, that would be absolutely – Twitter would explode if we had done that. Yeah. Right? It would explode. The actual function of the Internet would have blown up. Yeah. And I would agree with that. And I appreciate what Myers did, but he's a third-turning defenseman on last year's Jets team. Right. So that's number one. Then I think you got to go to number two. I hate doing this because I'm a Paul Maurice fan. Just because I think he's a great soundbite. I think he makes the entertainment of the game better for me personally. But we've been preached team defense. And our special teams have been basically mediocre to awful for the entire time he's been here. Or am I off base there? Well, I think uh, I think you're onto something, and uh, I'm just gonna uh, preface this. I like that you say that you're a Paul Maurice fan because sometimes um, people who uh, are Paul Maurice fans and have sort of maybe come a- around to maybe some of his weaknesses. There's been people that have slammed people like myself that aren't Paul Maurice fans and cite a bunch of reasons that people say those aren't the good enough reasons, but eventually come around and say, you know what, some of those are good reasons though, right? Like he's not without blame for any of the issues, especially being the fact that he is the coach. And I think some people he's just held in such high regard because probably because he's such a good speaker um, that it's just, it's, it's not even honest at some point. So I appreciate your honesty and the fact that you are actually a fan of his. Um, I recorded earlier with someone else who said the same thing, but it's like there if there's deficiencies, you got to call call a spade a spade, right? So, um, but I'll, I'll, sorry, I'll let you continue. No, no, I, and, and you know I appreciate you mentioning that, but it, I try to look at okay. So if the if if the Winnipeg Jets are going to pull with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, just dead, you've got to look at every situation. Right, you've got to try to be. You know, there's that first ten minutes that the game's over that you're either happy and everything's great, or you're just pissed off beyond belief and fire everybody and let's go ahead and retool the whole thing. And neither of those reactions, I think, are fair. And I've listened to every one of your podcasts. I understand you're not a Maurice guy. I like Mo. From the entertainment factor, I love listening to him. I love listening to him talk about hockey. But now I'm sort of coming to the ooh, you know, why why have we held back Sammy Niku so long? Why is the penalty kill once again disgusting? Why, when you have the offensive firepower that we do on our forward groups, why does the power play suck yet again? Why is it? that year after year, unless you have an incredibly – I mean, that, that, that team that went to the Western Conference Finals, my God, they were laden with talent. And we, we lose a couple of pieces, and now the entire team defense goes to pot? Right. I don't understand. I'm confused again. So, you know, with Chevy, great job drafting. I'll give you – a you know, a good solid B plus there. Yeah. 
his inactivity coupled with his trades. I think he's made two good trades. I think he was forced into the first one with Kaner yeah. and with Bogosian. They both wanted out, so he was forced into that. I give him a, a, a massive check mark for getting something done in that situation and getting some of the players we got back. Good job. The Stastny trade was absolutely brilliant. The Kevin Hayes, I mean, that room might have been so lost that why are we giving up first-round picks and prospects and all that stuff in that situation anyways? Yeah, you know, you you hit on something that most people don't talk about was the tone deafness of making that trade because that wasn't a contending team last year, right? And uh, when that trade was made, uh, there's no way they should have ever traded for Hayes. I get the reasoning, but my my thinking is it was – yeah, the the room, like you just mentioned there, uh, that that trade shouldn't have happened. There should have been nothing going, no Hainola going the other way. We should have had that pick and got even more for Truba besides Pionk, maybe Rangers second or whatever. But uh, sorry. I, I, I don't no, 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 that. please. I, I, like I, I love that there. you jump in there. I like your point. I there. love that you, ju- I love that you jump in there. And, and you know what? I got to be honest with you, for the Truba trade, Pionk, doesn't make me pull my hair out, and the fact that we got an Ola back, that could be a big deal down the road. But your word, which I think is absolutely perfect, the tone deafness of that, the fact that the the, the room, I believe, at the time they made the trade, was at 500 NHL, or just slightly under, or whatever, and we were basically we basically stacked points from October to about mid-January, and then we started falling down the the rabbit hole, if you will. Yeah. That shouldn't have been done. That's where they should have pumped the brakes and gone, you know what? You guys either figure this out on your own. That's fine. We can give Minnesota a seventh-round pick for Matt Hendricks. Maybe this helps. There's nothing lost there. Right. Trading a first for, for, for Kevin Hayes, you know, in the fifth that was, now he's playing on the fourth line. I mean, that was an absolute abortion. Yeah. Like, that's that's the one trade where I go, Chevy, you know, the guys that are that are calling for your head, I'll light a pitchfork and I'll come with them. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and also, Brendan Lemieux was lost in that, too. We lost a, a prospect. I that. think that's a massive loss. Yeah, and I'm, I'm like, we, we probably have differing opinions about Brendan Lemieux. I do not like him at all. But that was still a very uh, a valuable chip that could have been used somewhere else. So, to... why don't you like him if you don't mind me asking? Uh, well, um, I don't mind you asking, but I'll tell you when we're not recording. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So, and I, I'm not a Brendan Lemieux guy. It's not like I'm going to come into Winnipeg and get a Brendan Lemieux jersey and, and and reminisce on his time. But if one of the flaws on this team is team toughness and you take Sherrod out, and Bufflin goes fishing, and your unwillingness to call up J.C. Lapon for some of these other guys that we have on our fourth line, team toughness is a problem. And and if you're going to talk about toughness, I mean, Truba wasn't a, a crazy tough guy, but, I mean, he was big enough and he would hit. And uh, he blocked, I think, more shots than anybody else last year for the team. Um, probably twice as much as Brendan Tanev, who gets so much credit for his wincing and pain after every single time he did it, all his dramatics that that went along with that. But uh, yeah, so and then Truba, I mean, he broke his hand, I think, getting in a fight in Ottawa 
a year and a half ago, two years ago, too. So, I mean, there's a bit of toughness there as well. I'm I'm not as sold on the, the toughness thing, but just to your point there, um, there's another loss, right? So, there's several losses in the, in the team toughness, and and I agree. Canada looks like he got shot about every second game, and I, I look, I I applaud you guys. They're going to go down and block shots and play aggressive, but when you lose. Out of this lineup this year, whether it's losses to other teams or injuries, you lose Lowry. Matt is not exactly weak. Brandon Tanov is gone. Brendan Lemieux is gone. Dustin Bufflin has gone. Sherratt was a tough son of a gun. And you're you're replacing it with your top pairing being Josh Morrissey and Neil Pionk. A lot of skill. A lot of great upside. But there's no toughness there. And our back end, our bottom our bottom two pairs of D, and I heard Murata Tesh say this, and this so I didn't come up with this in any way, shape, or form, but they're playing one to two rungs above where they should. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure Anthony Boteto is an NHL player. Yeah. I'm sure he's trying his arse off. Yeah, I'm sure that he's not. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't like to make broad, but you're probably right, and I'm probably being too kind here. And Lucas Spiza didn't even get a a, a contract until very late in the year. Yeah. And, I, I, hey, he's trying his ass off, too. Oh, we think Dahlstrom off the, the scrap heap, right? Yeah. And Mouliou hasn't stayed healthy whatsoever. I... You know, so the on-ice product that I'm seeing, I think, is blamed half on Pomo right. and half on Chevy. Isn't that fair? Well, th- there's definitely some uh, logic to blaming either of them. I mean, if the players are bad, that's the GM's fault. If the players play bad, if the good players play bad, that's probably on the coach, right? And- Welcome back. It's Ryan here again, and I'm joined by Zach. Zach, thanks for giving me some of your time today to chat about uh, what the scene has been so far. No problem. Thanks for having me on here. So just wondering what you've thought of the uh, w- the year so far, not living up to expectations, or maybe this is exactly what is expected. I know a lot of people are thinking that the Jets were going to be a wildcard team. Uh, so, so what are your thoughts so far on that? Yeah, it, you know, it, I mean, it has been a weird, weird year. I mean, right from before the season started, you had the contract uncertainties with Connor and Line, and you had, uh, of course, the whole Bufflin thing, which completely came out of nowhere. Uh, honestly, I mean, my expectations coming into the year, you know, I mean, that whole Bufflin thing is that's a tough, tough one to deal with, but I thought they could maybe hang around kind of in that wild card spot. Uh, I mean, certainly not, not expecting them to dominate like they did two years ago, um, but hoping they could kind of right the ship from the second half of last year. Um, overall, I mean, I guess they're kind of in that, in that wild card spot on the standings, but uh, their, their play hasn't been exactly, first of all, hasn't been very good and, and and then second of all, it's I feel like they play actually just a lot of ugly hockey, not very entertaining all the time. 
so I, yeah, certainly overall there's there's uh, disappointment. I mean, you know, I, I would credit the guys for and they've battled through all sorts of uncertainties and injuries and questionable lineup decisions. I would say as well, but uh, you know, they've you know some of those guys. I mean, Ehlers has had a phenomenal year. Lineage looks real good for good chunks of the year, and obviously we have a Vesna goaltender going on right now, which. I mean, if it wasn't for that, we'd be talking about lotteries too, right? So, yeah, overall, I mean, it's 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 hard to really know how I feel about this just with, uh, you know, the tough spot they've been put in with the Bufflin situation. But, uh, you know, I, overall, I would say I, I, was, I was just maybe hoping for at least more entertaining and better hockey. That would maybe be my, my conclusion on that. Do you... Do you see a specific reason that the Jets are where they are right now? I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things going around that the personnel just isn't there, which would be on the general manager. And of course, Buff right. uh, didn't help that at the beginning of training camp. Or maybe it's the lineup decisions, which is the coach, or maybe just the players aren't performing the way they should be. Or I guess it could be a combination of the three. What exactly do you think is is the reason that they're in the position they are right now? Yeah, and, and you're you're probably right. I mean, it probably is a combination of the three things, right? I mean, uh, certainly you look at you look at the players that uh, Maurice has at his disposal, and you know it's the defense. I mean, we all know what the defense is, right? It's it's, it's simply not great without Boston there. Um, I mean, having said that, uh, certainly questionable lineup decisions. Uh, I'd be one that would think, you know, a guy like Niku, for example. With with uh, the type of defense we've been rolling this year, he should easily be getting in and playing lots of minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, not the greatest defender, but I mean, he can make a pass. And so, you know, I haven't liked both some of the coaching decisions. Uh, obviously, I, I would also put, you know, the power play struggle for quite a while. Uh, it's been a little better lately. And then the penalty kill still just is not working out at all, even though we have a Vesna caliber goalie and so to me those are those are two things especially that I would that I put on the coach and suggest that you know uh, Maurice hasn't hasn't been able to figure out uh, a way to make that work and then yeah I mean as far as players go you know Morrissey doesn't look like he did last year I'm and I'm I'm assuming that's partially due to you know not having a consistent D partner in Truba uh, that he knows well right and He's, uh, I don't know, he's played with a whole bunch of D already this year. And so, you know, a guy like him or Wheeler also was also a bit of a slow start, probably related to the power play struggling quite a bit. And I know Shifley's defensive struggles have been well documented too. So, yeah, I think it's probably a combination of all three things. Um, just to be clear, I, I am, I've always been fairly patient with Maurice and uh, I've, I've kind of only this year have really, step both my feet into the fire Maurice boat and so I, I do think that would make a big difference but at the same time I'd, I'd like to know what Chevy genuinely thinks this season is because if he thinks you know if at the beginning of the year with all these this buffling uncertainty and injuries that started to pile up shortly after if he decided that this was basically a lost season like to me, then then I'm more okay with sort of just standing pat, even on the coaching front. Uh, again, not a Maurice fan, but uh, you know, if if Chevy is thinking that 
this year sort of a wash. I would love to know that, but then I guess that will also be reflected in what happens at the trade deadline, perhaps. And there has been a lot of talk about uh, possibly that Chevy is looking at acquiring a top four defenseman. And to me, it says maybe he hasn't given up on the season. And I don't know if that is going to help anything. I'm not sure that bringing in that one guy. Now, if Bufflin were to come back, and and of course, we can't bank on that, then that's a big difference as well. But if you're just relying on one trade to turn the season around, then you're just looking at making the playoffs as a wild card team and, and being eliminated in the first round. So why mortgage the future, right? And I want For to... Sure. Uh, I want to go back to the point you made about Niku not being utilized as sure he might not be the best defender, but he can make that first pass out of the zone. And there's been a lot of talk lately about how that was the strength of Toby Enstrom, who now has been gone from the team for a year and a half. Now that was his strength, right? Was making that first pass out of the zone. And now it seems like without players that can do that, they're just getting caught in their own zone and they can't get out. And that just leads to a flurry of shots on, on Hellebuck. So I agree with you there that maybe Niku needs to be utilized a bit differently. And he does have that offensive upside that he could start plays. Um, what do you think about the, the, the top four defensemen? Is that going to make a difference if Chevy goes out and acquires one? Or do you think maybe they should sit on their hands? Yeah, I, I mean, I would love to see them at this point, at least. I mean, you know, trade deadline is still a couple of weeks away, right? Um, so, I, at this point, I would say I'd like to see them, if anything, try to try to sell, try to get some draft picks. I mean, again, there's been there's been lots of talk about this year's draft being real strong. I don't follow that enough to know uh, the truth or the merit in that. But uh, you know, I don't know if you could find any value in the trade with a guy like uh, Perot or Kulikov. I mean, those are maybe the two guys that stick out as being, um, you know, kind of in that, well, Kulikov, he, he would be a rental, and Perot, I think, is one more year, but uh, certainly could help to get those numbers off the books as well. Um, as far as, you know, do we want to acquire anything? I mean, yeah, like, our defense is not great right now. Uh, but to me, I, w- I would only want a defender if there was term on it and, and only if it, the trade itself made sense. And like you alluded to as well, I certainly don't want to mortgage the future at all because I'm okay essentially counting the season off as loss. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not okay, but I'm I'm kind of willing to do that. Um, and so, if if any trade happens at the deadline, I would hope that a it's either Winnipeg selling or b we're getting a defenseman back with some term on it. Yeah, I mean, this. these next four games are huge, right? In a week and a half, you're going to know uh, if it's even worth making that move or not. And uh, I'm sure Chevy right. understands that. But upcoming, you have Boston, St. Louis, Nashville, then St. Louis. Yeah. Again. Those are not easy yeah. games. And if you lose all four of those or even three of those four, I think you can pretty much write off the playoffs unless they were to go on a huge huge run after that but i just don't see that happening i know money puck this morning said that i think playoff chances were 18 percent or something like that Um, so yeah after these next four games and you get a real good idea what's going to happen and if chevy should move something and yeah i heard what you heard that the draft class is very strong this year so i don't think moving moving picks right now is the best idea when no 
when you yeah. can, uh, if anything, like you said, be sellers, uh, maybe Kulikov yeah. or Perot, and, and then you get some more picks. You're not going to get very high picks for those guys, but um, right. I do agree with yeah. that. Yeah. And, I mean, you look at the guys we're calling up on forward with, with injuries, and, I mean, the, we used to have quite the stock of forward, forward prospects, but that's, uh, that's a thing of the past for sure. Yeah, it seems like a lot of these guys that you have in the moose are are waiver wire picks too. I, I think yeah. uh, Shaw, he was picked up off of waivers, and and they're calling guys like him up. Uh, Spiza was waiver pickup. Uh, I think there's another player out there. I, I'm drawing blanks on it right now, but that's Dahlstrom the type of also. players that. Sorry. Dahlstrom is also waivers. Right. Right. Yeah. So the fact that they're trying to load up this roster with waiver wire picks just yeah. to kind of put a bandaid on a broken lineup doesn't make a whole yeah. lot of sense to me. And, and it's almost going to be too late by the time they decide to make a move that, that maybe we, we stand pat. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I will go ahead. Sorry. Uh, I will just say like, I, and I've always been a, an optimistic person in life, and, and that carries over into my fandom of the Jets as well. Uh, and like, I mean, obviously, the moment Gallant became available, my ears perked up. And I mean, I've always thought Gallant would be an amazing fit in Winnipeg. Now, I mean, whether that's remotely possible is is the question. Not, I have no idea. But but I mean, if you look at the schedule, uh, starting with you know the 29th of February, we play the Edmonton Oilers. And then going into March, we play Vegas, Arizona, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Minnesota, Dallas, Nashville, Colorado, Vegas, Calgary. And then we end off the season with Colorado and Arizona. And those are a lot of teams that, you know, I mean, any Pacific Division team essentially is sort of a team we're trying to catch potentially in the wild card, right? And a bunch of Central Division teams in there. We play a ton of hockey against teams that we are looking to jump if we're getting into the playoffs. And so, I, you know, I keep thinking, like, man, if Bufflin could come back, and, man, if we could get another coach, you know, and all of a sudden I, I would still have hope for March. But, yeah, I mean, as it, as it stands now, I'm, I'm trying to be careful of getting my hopes up. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that are kind of hitting the pause button on the Maurice thing because there's a lot of talk that he's – he's maybe signed a, an extension already and he could yeah. have before the season started, which would not be the best for this organization moving forward. Like you said, Gerard Gallant is available and he is yeah. a very, very good coach. And I'm not sure why he was fired in, in the first place, yeah. but um, I, I think, yeah, if, if he's available still, you have to look at maybe making that move. I know this organization is very loyal to certain people but at what point mm-hmm. do you make a good business decision because uh lowering the price of popcorn isn't going to be putting people in the stands very much longer you have to put yeah. a, a product on the ice that is exciting to watch like they were two years ago yeah and i mean to me just the message that it would send to the fans right like if they were to fire maurice you know it would finally sort of signify that hey no we're not okay with mediocrity which I think that's kind of the consensus that fans have been getting over the past years, you know, and as you know, you talk about the drop in popcorn prices, I mean, up to, up to now fans have been complaining about, you know, there's, or there's growing complaints about, 
about the Jets sort of just riding out the honeymoon phase, if you will, and and Winnipeg being, you know, have for the most part been willing to pay for it. But I think you see that changing in, in the fan base and, you know, even in the, the game atmosphere and game attendance, you see it changing. And so I think if if they would make a move like that to fire Maurice, then that would I think that'd be a real positive message for the fans that that uh, yeah they're they're not okay with this sort of being in the middle of the pack thing. Uh, I couldn't agree more, uh, Zach. We're we're trying to keep these things a bit uh, short just because we have so many people that we're trying to fit into this episode. I really appreciate the time that you took uh, today to join me. Is there anything that you want to throw out there? Maybe uh, plug your Twitter handle or uh, any last thoughts? Uh, yeah, my Twitter handle is at ZFriesenF. That's Z-F-R-I-E-S-E-N-F. And uh, yeah, I don't tweet a whole lot, but lots of likes and retweets and whatnot. So um, no, you know, I mean, I've, I'm, uh, I've always been a, a big time passionate Jets fan and, hoping they can at least play interesting hockey. You know, I, like I said before, it's, I think lots of the games have just been really ugly quality games overall. And so, you know, if nothing else, let's see if we can get some entertaining hockey and uh, see if we can keep developing some of these young guys here. Awesome. Uh, Again, thanks for the time. Uh, Everyone go follow Zach on Twitter. Uh, Hopefully we can do this again. I, I, I appreciate uh, your time today. Thank you very much for having me. I'm Kurt Gilback, and thank you for listening to the Jet-Centric Broadcast. Please subscribe.